Who are you going to call for all your karate needs? Honor Athletics, of course. 770-945-5150. HonorAthletics.com. And hey, guys, don't forget to use the code WILDCATDOJO for your 10% discount. Thanks, Honor Athletics. I second that emotion. I second <laughs> This is Wildcat Dojo Conversations. Hi, and welcome to another episode. I'm still Sensei Michelle. I'm still Landon. I'm Jackie. And I'm Tracy. And I want to thank Sensei Tracy for being here with us today. Right, guys? Us. Oh, yes. Because we are having another odd show. I feel like I've been saying that a lot lately. <laughs> and to even make it more odd, while you're listening to this, I'm probably watching fireworks in Wisconsin. Yeah, (laughs) because this will be my last recording for four weeks as I'm off to sleepaway camp. But I'll be back when you probably start hearing episodes in August. And we'll be wah, wah, wah (laughs) throughout July. Anyway, going back to Sensei Tracy, I'll post one of her old episodes below so you can check them out if you want to. She's been on many times. So, you know, we treat her like she's a regular because she is. Thank you. Today's show is going to be a little different. That's right, Sensei. Today we're dedicating this show to archiving all of the technology that Master Collegian created. That is a lot of stuff, Sensei. When I sat down and and started making the list, I was surprised at how long it was. And for those that may have just come across us magically, when we say technology, we don't mean like your computer. We mean (laughs) Master Collegian did not make, you know, the, the Dell, but we talk about it in the karate technology, the karate katas. As well as self-defense. And we aren't even going to bring up all he's done with kickboxing and all the different sparring. There's just so much there. Today, we're going to focus on the creation of kata and the self-defense. Yes. And you know, Sensei, over the years, Master Collegian took great pains to keep the technology that he created safe from eyes that would appropriate it without his permission. For sure. Right. And now, five years after his death, it is clear that the proverbial cat is going to get out of the bag. That's right. So we all said, let's at least create a space where we can document all the material he created. And I think this is a great moment for me to say, check out YouTube because we have a little short video with a list where you can read all the information that we're going to go over here today. And then instead of listening to this, you can just read it and get back to us with your thoughts. Right, guys? Absolutely. Oh, we would love to hear your thoughts on that. And, you know, when you look at that list for those that aren't in karate and, and came across this, you know, you think, okay, we have stance kata on there. We have um, the tanfa seminar, but that's a lot of work. That's a lot of taking different expertise and, and putting it all together. Until you've actually produced something, you have absolutely no idea how much goes into it. Absolutely. <sighs> and you have to also, in the creation of it, make it something that you can teach to others. Oh, right. oh yes. Yes. that not only one person's brain can can understand. Yes, yes that's yes. exactly it. All right, Trace, are you ready? I'm ready, Sensei. In the late 1980s, Master Collegian decided to create weapons seminars. In the beginning, there were four weapons. Later, he added the Tanfa, and each weapon had a basic and an advanced component. I always thought it was very Master Collegian-like that he didn't create an advanced Tanfa. That's true. But he was so like that. And I know you mentioned a minute ago, Landon, about stance kata. So you'd think if he was going to do all the stances in sets of two, he would, but he didn't. (laughs) 
99% of them are in sets of two. First, yes. you do the stance on the right, then you do the stance on the left, right. but not all of them. Right. It's a riot because that's the way his brain worked. It worked web-like and not methodically linear, like I'm going to say boring people like me. Mm-hmm. Yes. <laughs> it's true. So let's talk for a couple minutes about weapons seminars. When I started karate and when I became a black belt, there were no weapons seminars. They came when I was about a sand on. Ah, And the first year that he ran weapons seminars, he ran them on a Sunday. And then four weeks later, you'd come back on a Sunday and test it. And it was him and Sensei Brown running the seminar. And we were doing the seminar. And he only ran one weapon at a time for a few years. So if you didn't go to that weapon, you couldn't go until the next year when he ran it again. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was very different Mm. than what it became over the years. It became kind of like, There were so many black belts to teach and everybody could come out and take the weapon that they needed. I believe we just had one. We did just have one. Yeah. I'm so glad we're back out. Aren't you guys? Oh my God. Oh, it's so great to see other people and to be, you know, a rule again. Absolutely. And I think also another component were the written tests. Oh yeah. Because I have heard stories. I've heard amazing things about Sensei Peg. Yes. And about her typing of mm-hmm. the of the different written tests. And that is a, a huge component of it. Yes. And she was a huge component of the creation of the paperwork that went into the weapons seminars, history packets and stuff. When you took those first seminars or when they were given, did you have the packets that, back then? The reason I, I'm going to have to say yes to that, but I, it's not because I remember, because I don't remember that. But here's what I know. You know those little, I want to call them 25 cent folders, but they're not 25 cents anymore, are they? Right. What are they, about a dollar 25 now? Well, they don't even call it the dollar store anymore. <laughs> right. It's the dollar 25 but store. They're made out of paper and they have the three prongs where you put right. the most. Okay. I took all my information and I put one for Screamo, one for Sai, one for Bo, and one for Nunchaka, right? Right. Okay. And, and one for Tanfu when it came up years later. And I still carry them around. And they're so ratty and old. (laughs) They're such a horrifying mess full of paper sticking out. I always say one day I'm going to go back and look through there and see what what actually did I write. So I must have got it, right? I guess so. I just think it's of note that Sensei Peg put that material together at a time that there was no internet. Oh, yeah. Everything had to come from research on her own in books that she had to find from somewhere. I, I cannot agree with that one more. Before we jump into all the weapons katas, do we want to say anything else about stance kata? Well, Sensei told me he created it because of his private lesson people who could not get the stances committed to memory. And Sensei told it to me because he said, sometimes when I go out and I watch people work, I can't tell the difference between fighting stance, sanshin, and zenkuzadachi. And I'd like to. (laughs) (laughs) And I agree with that sentence. It's very hard as a practitioner, and if you're a practitioner, you, you relate to this, to think about the upper body and think about the lower body at the same time. For years, you have to separate and get them. I wonder if I'm right, we can ask a musician, not unlike the right hand and the left hand on a piano keyboard. Each one has to muscle memorize its job, and then you can put them together. Right. So I think that that is an okay comparison. Yes. But- Way before Master Legion invented stance kata, I used to have a Kung Fu friend who used to come visit us. He would always teach the same thing whenever he came to visit because it was always new people when he showed up three years later, right? Uh, That's funny. And in his style, they did a little stance thing, a little 10-move stance thing. 
And that's what he would always do with everybody. And their stances were very similar to ours, except for they didn't really have a sun sheen that I could see. They may have it and I'm just unaware. So if you're a Kung Fu person out there and I am so wrong, what do we want him to do? Contact us all over the web at Wildcat Dojo. We are on YouTube and you should really check out our YouTube page because we just did a video on there. Yeah. Ad.com and that's our website. We're on Instagram at Wildcat Dojo Conversations where you can see some really cool reels and videos. And we are at Dojo Conversations at AOL.com. Okay. So on that note, let's jump to the weapons. Oh, goody. We've already mentioned the Eskrima Seminar, but we didn't mention that before Master Collegian created the Eskrima Seminar, Eskrimas were not part of our system. Interesting. So he created Eskrima Form 1 and Eskrima Form 2. And are we all in agreement that Eskrima Form 2 is the one that rocks? Absolutely. Oh, absolutely. I don't know it. <laughs> so Landon doesn't have Yeah, it's great. <laughs> And I just want to say, and this is a personal opinion that may be a little controversial, that I think the reason that that's true is because Eskrima Form 1 was a group effort. And when you bring a a group of people together and each one has a little bit of a different view, you can kind of feel the, how do I want to say, no flow? It's disjointed. Yeah, it feels a little more disjointed. And unfortunately, I think to this day that Eskrima Form 1, to me, feels a little bit more disjointed, Mm -hmm. whereas Eskrima Form 2 the Master Collegian created on his own, has such a nice flow line to it. It's beautiful. Oh, it is a beautiful kata. And it's fun to do. Yes. And if life goes the way it's gonna, sooner or later, you're going to see it on YouTube. Absolutely. (laughs) Or somewhere else. (laughs) So, Sensei, when we start talking about another weapon, the bow, it's my understanding that Master Collegian took the bow, systemized it into a weapons seminar, but he himself did not create either the uh, beginning or the advanced bokatas that he brought them into our system from somewhere else. Well, they've always been in our system. Whether you call longbow American longbow right. or longbow, it has always been around. I actually remember clearly learning that kata because I was the only three-striper in a room full of brown belts. Oh. And I could not have been crying more at the end of the day. I, I remember like, seeing that kata for the first oh time. Oh my gosh, my head is about to explode. It was just so overwhelming. And of course, Urban's bow is Peter a goji. Urban's. Yeah, a goji kata. Right. And I remember seeing Longbow for the first time, and it was a very tall man with a very tall bow. <laughs> and I remember thinking to myself, oh my goodness, this is crazy. It is a beautiful kata. And one of the things that I absolutely love about Longbow is that through its moves, you're able to put your own flair and flavor into it and make it your own. I agree with that. Absolutely. Okay, let's push. Next seminar was and is Psy. And we love Psy. Oh, it's great. I think it's a a difficult weapon to Mm -hmm. be introduced to because of the heaviness of the Psy and the Mm -hmm. weight and balance of it. And there's a lot of dexterity that's necessary for it. Yeah. The term dexterity in karate means the ability to use it easily and the hands just know where it is without thinking, correct? Yes. That's not the definition that they use in the seminar, but that's what's going on. Right. That's right. And that is one of the things that the seminars did that regular daily work with the weapon doesn't do. It gives you the amount of repetition that you need to have minimal, decent dexterity Yes, with the weapon. And I would say that because you do it so much, it builds up your confidence Mm -hmm. and the confidence also helps your dexterity there. And your strength. And your strength, for sure. 
but there were two Sai seminars and the one used the, the Kata Kenkaku Sai, which was always part of Goju. And the second, the advanced one is Yoku Sai and that one he built. Right. That is an incredible Kata. I know. I love that Kata. It's gorgeous. And it's practical. I know. That's one of my favorite things about it. With Sai, it's really hard to see the practicality in, in modern life, right? For sure. Okay. Finally, let's push to Landon's favorite weapon of all time. The nunchuck. Or, yeah, let's do the woohoos. <laughs> or known as nunchaku. So Master Collegian created four nunchuck forms. Two of them are my favorite katas. <laughs> <laughs> the other two, I don't know. <laughs> so, and ironically, say the numbers of the two that you know. I know two and four. And so he doesn't know. <laughs> Three and five. It's hilarious. So I know one, two, four. And isn't that another example of how his mind is not linear? Yes. It just doesn't think in a straight line. Anybody else would have named a one, two, three, and then four would be the, the more advanced form. But Correct. He, that's not how he did it. And I love that it's that insane. So, so, so did he create a form three before four or after? I, I don't know the answer to that question because I wasn't in the room with him, which when I say in the room, right. I always think of, um, you know, the play Hamilton. The room where it happened. <laughs> but I, I assume he must have done them all at the same time. I do know that he thought of Nunchaka Form 4 as the kata of dexterity. Oh, yes. And you sure. can see that. A lot of underarm circle strikes for those of you who know what that is. And I wonder if that's something a person can Google. I'm right? sure. Probably. I'm a sure. lot of movement there with the hands. Right. So going back to the seminar, Nunchuk Form 1 is the basic kata, and then Nunchuk Form 2 and 4 are part of the advanced seminar system, and then 3 and 5 are black belt level katas. He got all that right. I'm so impressed with his brain. <laughs> Thank you, Sensei. But I'm impressed with Landon's brain no matter what, right? That's Sensei. That's Thank sensei. you, sure. Sensei. And both the advanced and the basic Nunchuk seminars were my two favorite seminars. And they're so tiring. And they were both completed during COVID, which ah. I took a little bit of pride in. Wow. Yeah, okay. <laughs> I did not know that. And I was there. Speaking of being in the room where it happened. <laughs> Maybe I wasn't actually in the room all the time, though. I remember that the nunchuck testing day was the last thing that we did as a room before COVID. On your wow. first seminar. Correct. Yes. Wow. And then after COVID, we would meet sometimes outside or in the warehouse in small us. groups with masks and stuff. But I'm going to push us on to Tanfa. Now, Tanfa seminar, I have no idea what year it was created. But if my memory is correct, and Sensei Brown, if you ever hear this and my memory isn't correct, I am begging you to fix me. Master Nick Brown actually created that original Tanfa Kata that is in the Tanfa seminar. And then he and Master Collegian worked together to put it into seminar formation with the history and the written test and the, all the required dexterity and other things that are required, especially in Tanfa. It's super fun. Our takedowns. Yes. Right? Yes. And Tanfa, for those of you who aren't very familiar, it's a quick Google search, is a, a weapon shaped like an L and it means handle. That's a nice form also. Yeah. Oh, beautiful it's form. Pretty. And this form has um, a Japanese name. And if I say it wrong, Sensei Brown, please help me here. It's Furi Yamkido. And as we learned, it means the way of the integrity flip. And in Tanfa, you do a lot of flipping. <laughs> Open and close that weapon. And that leaves us two more weapons, Sensei Tracy. Which one are you going to take? Oh, I would like to take the sword. All right. It's just gorgeous. And some of the sword forms that we do were already in the system. And some were created by Master Collegian. 
Sensei Jackie and I sat down yesterday and tried to count them. And we think he created three of the six we do right now, but there's another one that he created that we don't all do, which is the one with the left-hand draw. Yes. Which was an experience in and of itself. (laughs) (laughs) If you wanted to be in the room where that day happened, that was fun. And you can see all that information on our YouTube page, just giving another plug there. That's the list. You're not going to see those sword forms on our YouTube page. You may see them someday somewhere. We don't know. Okay, and I'll take us home with Imperial Ore. Ooh. Boy, I remember the day he walked in with that kata, and I just thought to myself, A, that is gorgeous, and B, are you kidding? (laughs) (laughs) There is one part in the middle of the kata that is 16 moves. What? Yeah. Yes. He used to call it 16 candles after the song of the same (laughs) name. That's so funny. And that's just one little section in the in the middle of the kata. It was long and gorgeous and violent. Man, everything that a kata should be. Yes. And it wasn't the last thing he ever created, but it was the last archive thing, as far as I know. Ah. Yeah. He created a lot of things for the different shows we did. Yes. Right. Yes. But I think that was the last archived one. Yes. I do know that when we took um, a course to learn it, that the certificate that came with it was just as beautiful as the kata. Oh, I'd Mm. forgotten that. It's got like a rainbow look to it. It's really pretty. She's right. Absolutely. All right. Even if we stop right here, there's no getting around the fact that the man was prolific. Absolutely. But I do want to tell one more story. One night, a group of us were working together with Master Collegian, and he decided that we should create a form. And it was called the untying of the hands. Years went by and nothing ever came of that. It didn't become popular. It's like a song you write that just doesn't catch, correct? Yes. But Sensei Robert Carbone took it upon himself to not only remember and practice the kata on a regular basis, but he also added an ending. I can't swear to this because I didn't do the work. But what he did was he put that ending as an homage to the masters before Master Collegian. Yes. And then he took it into the warehouse and he showed it to Master Collegian and Master Collegian loved it so much. It's very cool. Yeah. That's really cool, isn't it? I think so. And I have seen him perform that kata. And as he's doing it so well, he always says the name of the master to whom the homage of those moves go. Yeah, that's right. He likes to mention that at the end. At the end. But Sensei Carbone's great in kata, but if we started mentioning people who are great in kata, we'd be here for another week. So let's push on to self-defense. Who's going to start me out? Um, I'll start you out. The application of his gift where self-defense is concerned was in a unique organizational structure incorporating firsts, which he called number ones. Right. So when I was a Q, there was no such thing as a number one. When I tested for Shodan, there was no such thing as a number one. He did not always like the techniques we picked. (laughs) Imagine that. (laughs) And the funniest part is the other day in class, we had two new students and we were going over some techniques. And I said, all right, we're going to do the number ones. And she goes... What's the number one? <laughs> the, the new student. And, did, and right? I said, well, the, the basic starting techniques. And she's like, oh, cool. Yeah. Okay. So let's just mention that he thought that the techniques that he picked out as number ones were the best technique in that situation if you only had to have one. Yes. Is that a good way to say it? That's say a great so. way to say it. Okay. And then what? And then alternatives to those number ones. All the technology is technology that most people had seen throughout their karate life up till then. But his organizational method was unique and engaging. And the way he organized it was so um, interesting to try to put on paper. 
Yes. It was like you had a big set and then a subset and then a set within that set. set within the middle. This one moved over. Oh, and then when we had to do master's testing at Fourth Dawn, people figured out mathematically the incredible number of combinations that were possible from what he had created. Which is a really nice segue to what was his goal. And we print his goal on our graphic on YouTube. So another reason to go check it out. Pull it up, Landon, and read that goal for me. Because although we all said the words together, I can't remember it. His goal was to systemize the number one self-defense techniques so that he could add technology to allow practitioners to adapt and overcome all types of altercations. Yes, that's that's what his goal was. So we would never be caught in a situation where we couldn't get out of it. There's always an option. Yes, that's one of the things he used to say. There's always an option. And do you think that ties into his work when he was in security, but then also training policemen? That sounds completely like a logical idea. Absolutely. I hadn't made the connection, but I love that connection. It totally fits. And I will say the self-defense as he organized it and passed it, especially up in the levels of mastery, included so many things, a lot of joint controlling. Right. And right. and can we push a little farther and say dislocating? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes, we can. Don't get grossed out out there. What else? Um, alternatives <laughs> to deadly force. Absolutely. Oh, yeah. We love alternatives. Breaking. Of, you know, body parts, not wood. And that also ties into the sweeps and takedowns that Master Collegian created for when you're in any scenario that there's a way that you're able to get somebody to the ground. Right. And we talk about that in class a lot. Yeah. Everybody um, loves the takedown. And just to reiterate, nobody here is saying that he created any of the self-defense. Nope. All of it had been around for many, many years. Right. His systemization of the self-defense did make it achievable within a span of, ah, I can't say years, but a decade. I would say so. I would say so. And since do you remember the um, the way he said that a person would dictate his own beating? You let your opponent dictate the ass kicking they're going to receive. <laughs> ah. And so because we do ass kicking, am I going to have to put the little um, warning on my podcast? <laughs> I don't think so. I, I think, think it's, it's okay, okay for I everybody that, to hear. I think that that word is not considered an explicit Yes, that's the way they say it. If this has explicit content, and I don't think that does. I try to keep it very PG, but that's exactly how he said it, right? Yes. Excellent. I think we've pretty much covered this. Does anybody have any stories? I just remember everyone crying when we had to learn the system. <laughs> and he said, one day it's going to click in your head and you're going to fall in love with it. And, and he was right. Yes. The way we use the term fall in love isn't necessarily completely accurate to what happens because what eventually happens is, and correct me if you think I'm wrong because you, you've been there too, you give way to the technology and don't get as uptight when mistakes are made because there's something else right there in front of you that looks just as good. Yes. And that was his goal, wasn't it? Yes. How about you, Jackie? You want to add a story or two before we call it? I think my whole karate life has been one big story. And every time I learn something new, it adds to the depth and the flavor of that story. And his uh, contributions to my personal story are huge and kind of beautiful. Yeah. And and let it be said and archived on a final time that his contribution to martial arts was massive, genuine, heartfelt, Mm -hmm. strong, and really about the fight. It was censored in reality. It's the reality that he, that he had when he went out and did his bodyguarding yeah. and, and had actual altercations, which very few people have. Yeah. 
Really a good point. And obviously I can bring a different perspective because I wasn't there because I'm not a high level karateka. I think that it ties into the, to the center of focus today was that showing that he created something, the word would be beautiful. Yeah. That yes. we have to keep sacred. Exactly. And I'll finish with this. And I hadn't even thought of it at all until just this minute you sparked it in my head. So when I was a Q, he used to say to us, treat your technology like gold. Don't give it away. And that's a really nice finish here because that's what's bringing us to this conversation. It's ingrained in us not to be public. Like back in the day in old Japan, even when everything was secret and private. Yes. And today that is just not what goes on. So looking forward from here as a karate person who is looking at generations to come, I'd like to see people have access to Master Collegiate's technology so that it doesn't die out. I agree. I think that would be a beautiful and a wonderful homage to his work and that they know where it came from. Mm -hmm. Although all they have to do is look at our YouTube page. There's the list. That's it. I'm ready to move on. I'm totally serious when I say thank you so much for doing this. (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was an important thing to do, and I'm really glad we got it done. Us. Now I'm going to make you say bye just like the regulars. Okay, yay. (laughs) (laughs) I'm down. (laughs) Okay, you're first. Bye, everybody, and I'll see you in a couple of weeks. Bye, everybody. I'll see you next week. Bye, everybody. I don't know when I'll see you, but I'll be happy then. And on that note, I am signing off. Thanks for being here. Hope you join us again on Wildcat Dojo Conversations.